But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and provide new guards for their future security. People don't talk that way anymore. Beautiful. Huh. No idea what you said. It means if there's something wrong, those who have the ability to take action have the responsibility to take action. I'm gonna steal it. <clears throat> what? I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. everybody welcome back to another week of muskies on tap i'm your host gus manti and we got episode man i don't even know if i've ever said this before in an intro and now i'm blanking on where we're at we're at episode 31 on the year and we're bringing to you a very special interview with brian scaife of angling anarchy we are very appreciative to for him to share his time with us tonight and give everybody a good wealth of knowledge and some pretty cool stories to uh to listen to so i really hope everybody enjoys that and for the interview we have max and our very own brian uh not to get confused with brian scape on the line for the interview so uh without rambling too much we'll get you right into the interview so here it is with brian scape All right, everybody, we have Brian Scaife with Angling Anarchy on the line right now. Brian, how are you doing? Good, man. How are you guys doing tonight? Terrific. Very good. Super. Super, super. So you have your Angling Anarchy YouTube channel, and from the Mm -hmm. sounds of it, you like to also travel, and looks like you've been to Ohio, uh, Indiana, Michigan, Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Ontario this year. Nailed it. <laughs> that is that is pretty awesome. Uh, I don't know many people that travel that much for these toothy critters. Uh, sometimes I like to go out my back door, and sometimes I really want to travel. But, man, that's, that's a lot of places. Uh, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about here tonight. We're definitely going to be asking about your travels. But real quick... Where was the favorite mm-hmm. state this year? Oh, favorite state? Probably, well, I I mean, I have to say Wisconsin this year because I got my personal best uh, this year on the uh, Northern Wisconsin opener. So I got to go with Wisconsin. <laughs> okay, so is the fish that we're talking about here uh, kind of the infamous net job that happened on your YouTube channel? Is that the correct yes. one? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. It, that is the, that's the one. And, uh, you know, and that's, I mean, we can talk about that later too, but that's the crazy thing about social media is just all the crappy comments that got made on, oh. on that. It's like, oh, it's, it's just terrible. So the funny thing about that is the, the friend I was fishing with, uh, Nathan, 
he actually was a guide for his parents' outpost camp. Uh, they owned a flying camp up in uh, Ontario, uh, Big Hook. They were just recently sold it. So he's been guiding northern and walleye since he was like, I don't know, seven, eight years old. So he's handled and netted thousands of pike. Um, so, you know, what happened in that certain instance is he got the net under the fish and I'm sitting there going, oh, we got this thing. You know, it, it, it was 50 plus. I knew it was huge. He gets it and starts to lift up and a fish that big just kind of does whatever it wants. And it muscled its way out pulled itself away from the hook and is was like it seemed like forever where the fish is just sitting there and the net's over here and he had the presence of mind to flip the net over and scoop and get that fish and it's so yeah anything from you know uh, the worst net job turned into the best net job which he would say that yes that's absolutely what happened um some people would just call it the worst net job ever it's the worst thing ever it's you know oh, the, the comments i could go on and on forever but I, I guess the best. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Were uh, I mean, <laughs> we ended up with a fish. So, uh, oh, lots of people saying that it was an illegal catch because it was netted, not caught even, the, you know, I don't know. Oh, I mean, oh, I, what? I actually, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I forgot the last time I, I bumped into a warden. I wanted to ask him like, like technically if you fight a fish all the way to the net and then it gets hooked up in the net and comes off, but you still scoop it. Like, like I'm, I'm sure there's not a warden in the land that would say that that's an illegal catch. But all the idiots online, of course, you know they've got to say something crappy from their mom's basement while they're waiting for her to bring them their food. Um, so one, wow. I, I mean, yeah, those people can zip it because I honestly think like to do that in the moment on such a big fish and not freeze up. Like we've oh, yeah. experienced it where really, I mean, you could have the perfect net job. Um, and things can go wrong in such a split second where like you have no control over it, obviously. And I've always told Gus, like if you could get an inland 50 on in Wisconsin, I don't know who's going to be more nervous, like you having it on or me trying to net it. Like that's just yeah. as much responsibility as the guy hold, you know, having the rod in his hands as the guy that's going to have the net in his hands. So yeah, props to him for, you know, making it work. Cause it's, you know, sports never, never goes how you plan for it to go right i mean just... oh for sure and you know that's that's the biggest thing too is i try to show everything in my videos like the way it happened there's no setting the stage there's no you know going back and you know every now and again if something like really stupid happens i'll get rid of it uh but i try to show just about everything that happens because uh i am by no means an expert at catching these things i am probably I've had, you know, I'll have musky groups ask me to speak and I'll say, sure, I'll come talk about filming because that's one thing I'm, I feel like I'm fairly good at. Like there's better people that film and there's better people that musky fish when you put the two together. That's a very small niche. And I, I feel like I'm pretty decent there, but like get Pete Mayna, get Steve Herbeck, get somebody that knows what they're doing. I have I, zero idea. I just go out there and flail around and bump into fish, man, and record all the craziness that happened. <laughs> I mean, we appreciate you for it because I know I'm I know we're all big fans of your videos. And oh, right yeah, on. I mean, when you put everything on film, like you're going to have things that just happen. I mean, I, I'll let Brian and Gus tell you the story. I mean, Gu Brian had his personal best on this year that was coming into the net super flush. And in a split second, all 
kind of chaos broke out. <laughs> you want to finish the story, Brian or Gus? Go for it. <laughs> oh man, I think we talked about it, but I'll we'll bring it back up. I was that was the closest to a botch net job I've ever had, and total chaos. I think it was a good uh, looking back at the. Uh, I think Max, you you had the phone. Yeah, you were filming with the iPhone because by that time I was like already coming to the net because it hit way out there on a top water and it was coming in head first perfectly. And I thought it was just going to like kind of roll into the bag and it got caught on the inside of the bag, but early like the hook, one of the, it was a flap tail. So it had one of those hooks hanging mm-hmm. down and it caught early in the front of the net and the fish couldn't keep going. And I was like, yelling to brian because i thought it kept was, rolling over I'm the like, side i'm of the like net. pull pull and i didn't know it was caught at the moment and then also i was like oh shit it's really caught and then the net was vertical for a little while it was a good 25 <laughs> seconds of the fish being hung up in the net good thing that this fish i think somehow like a hanger was hanging out because it had the middle hook of a flap tail oh, okay it had the whole thing gone yeah. and uh yeah, I was about to almost bear hug the fish and pull it in or do something. <laughs> Pretty I was much about did to hoist... for a second there. Yeah, I was I was even about to pull the whole net and fish into the boat. That would have been horrible, but <laughs> by any by any it means worked. necessary. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, that, that's exactly what happened with that fish with Nathan. It, when when you watch the video, the fish is actually going into the net and it gets hung up early. It's in the mm-hmm. net, but it gets hung up high. And it just couldn't keep going in. And then it started flailing around and just all hell breaks loose after that. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it, you can always tell the people that make the crummy comments are the people that have probably never musky fished or probably some, you know, bass guy, walleye guy, whatever, that is not used to dealing with the power that a 30 or 40 pound fish uh, mm-hmm. can, you know, put into trying to get itself away from a net. And it's it's sometimes there's just nothing you can do about it. It can be perfect all the way up to that point. And when they decide to do something crazy and you, you know, you just don't know what's coming and they, they'll get you sometime. <laughs> well, that was an awesome catch. Um, so kind of going from obviously one of the highlights of this year, I kind of want to just back things up. And I mean, I'm sure most of the people who listen to this are familiar with who you are, but mm-hmm. um, you want to just kind of quick touch on like, you know, how this, how this thing got started, like where, where it all kind of where the spark initiated, where the addiction started for this month. Sure. Season. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've loved fishing ever since I was five, six years old. I'd go to the uh, Madison Lakes, uh, Wabisa Mud Lake with my uh, grandpa Scape. Um, so a lot of a lot of four o'clock wake up calls uh, in the summertime, <laughs> and uh, you know, going to chase bluegills. Um, and I was just I was always that kid that no matter where I was, if we were driving past a body of water, I would be staring at it, wondering what's in there. I want to go find out. Um, so I've just, I've always just had the itch to, to fish and, uh, never really got to chase anything big until the first year I went to Canada, which was in 1993. I think I was like 13 years old and, uh, went up to Vermilion Bay, just North of Eagle Lake and fished a smaller chain of lakes, the Indian Lake chain up there. And, uh, you know, caught my first walleye, first pike, uh, first smallmouth, lake trout, all that stuff. Uh, and, and that's the trip I got my first muskie and, uh, it was on a, gosh, it was a six foot quantum snapshot spinning rod with a Shimano, either AX or FX 200 with like eight pound test line. <laughs> and I was just, I was throwing out a, you know, a Bill Lewis rattle trap in a fire tiger and 
was just casting it. Uh, I think we were we were bobber fishing for walleyes and smallmouth, you know, bobber and a leech. And uh, I decided I was getting bored, so I started casting this rattle trap out that I bought at you know Shopco or whatever. And uh, this thing followed in, and I I didn't know what it was. You know, I was like, oh, there's a walleye down there or something. <laughs> Didn't think much of it, cast out a couple more times and here it is again. So I just, I let the bait dangle like right above its nose and just kind of gave it a couple of pops and it came unglued. And of course my dad and my grandpa are like, what are you doing? Because we were walleye fishing. They right. didn't want to deal with some stupid musky. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I fought it to the side of the boat. It was kind of unceremoniously unhooked uh, and just pitched back in the water. So no, uh, no picture or anything of it. But uh, yeah, that's, I'll never forget that. That was crazy. So that that's you know that was the first big Canada trip. That's that was my first muskie. Fast forward to probably about two thousand, mid two thousands, I started chasing muskies a little bit with uh, a buddy of mine in town, and uh, probably two thousand eight or nine was the first year I really went up to Eagle Lake and just spent a whole week uh, going for muskies. And I went up there with my father in law uh, Rick in the middle of July. I was an idiot and didn't look at what the weather was supposed to be. Uh, turns out it was a week of the most hideous weather that you could ever have in July. I remember mm. getting out one morning and you could see your breath. It was that Jeez. cold. Wow. So it was, you know, not exactly the summer conditions you want for musky fishing. Um, but towards the end of the trip, you know, we, we caught a couple of fish here and there. But towards the end of the trip, uh, I think I got a 42. We were actually supposed to leave Saturday morning. and We decided to fish a couple hours because things seemed like they were ramping up on Friday. And uh, he got a 48, I got a 42, and all that seven days of crap just went away, and we were happy as a clam driving back to uh, southern Wisconsin from up there. So I think that's, and that's kind of when Rick got the bug for muskies, because he was a bass fisherman before. And for anybody that doesn't know, Rick was the owner of Chaos Tackle um, mm-hmm. that we just, he just recently sold, and um, that all started with us making bucktails, uh, Esox Assault Tackle. But uh, yeah, I mean... And then from, from there, I just got more and more into musky fishing, 2012 or 13, uh, bought a GoPro and thought I was going to strap it to my head and come back at the end of every day and, you know, pop the little chip into the computer and it was going to look like a, an episode of Linder's Angling Edge, you know, coming right out of the, which you find out real quick that that's not how that works. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh. I just, I started watching Mike Keys more to see what he was doing with his cameras than the fishing aspect of it. So I built my own setup where I can have two cameras up high looking at the bow and the stern, a couple of cameras on the gunnel um, for slow motion shots, netting shots, um, a chest camera, a Canon, like a nice mirrorless Canon camera, a drone. I mean, there's probably at any one point 11 or 12 cameras in the boat um, <laughs> at any one time. So, yeah, it went from, hey, this stuff's kind of fun to diving headfirst and fishing seven states in one province in a year and trying to put <laughs> out a video every week, which is, I, I don't know how it's still going, but it is. I've, <laughs> I put out a video a week since middle of August 2019. It's really Man. impressive. Yeah, and like, it's not, I mean, it's not always musky stuff, but I'd say probably 40 to 45 out of the 52 videos a year is, is musky content. You know, I, every now and again, you have to do a ice fishing or pike fishing or bass or something like that to fill the time in maybe like February and March. 
but uh mm -hmm. but yeah no it's and it's fun i mean i i do it because i enjoy it it's it's definitely not because of the revenue you get from the the ads on youtube it's it's cool i mean it's it's a little bit of something but it's uh for the amount of time that you put into it it's you're you're working for like two dollars an hour if you're lucky if you're yeah. lucky you're so, wow. you're working for the schlops like us who just want to watch them you know <laughs> <laughs> we uh we thoroughly appreciate um yeah okay so a lot of avenues we could go off of that yeah uh yeah, too many too many <laughs> um i think we're just gonna start with this real quick because you mentioned it uh your buddy obviously starting the chaos deal and, and it sounded like you had a, a hand in it or you were a partner at one time yeah yeah so it, it was uh rick albers my father-in-law um he uh he's got a place down in uh southern illinois that he bow hunts at and i went down there one february just because he was cleaning some stuff up and i took a i think it took like a 17 hmr and was just chasing squirrels around or something and uh we were driving around one day and he goes he just looks at me and he goes you want to start building bucktails <laughs> sure i'm in so that's what we started doing you know he was he kind of fronted the money for it and bought all the supplies we got all the raw materials and then it was kind of laid at my doorstep to make the skirts put the hooks on the wire shafts um you know i would do a lot of that stuff and give it to him to kind of finish everything up put the blades on and, and put the haywire twist on top but yeah esox assault tackle was was all we were for the first two years i think and then uh he was a roofer and cider down in, uh, he's originally from Southern Wisconsin, but moved down to Northern Illinois and was a roofer and cider down there. And, uh, yeah, a couple years into it, he talked to Jason Summers, who's the original owner of chaos tackle, uh, from Minnesota and, uh, ended up purchasing chaos tackle. So from there, I mean, everybody knew who chaos tackle was not many people knew what Esox assault was. So chaos tackle became the umbrella that everything thereafter kind of fell under. Mm -hmm. Um, so after that, he bought custom X lures, uh, which are, you know, uh, minnow type baits, um, big mama top waters, shum shum glide baits. Uh, we got the Naven and the round nose uh, from Kodiak. I'm sure I'm missing something in there somewhere. But he, he just wanted to build a company where somebody could come and if they needed any type of bait, we had it, you know. Um, and of course the rods, uh, that's been a big thing the last couple of years for all the, the chaos tackle rods, but yeah, it was, it was just, he wanted to, to build something where, you know, and you guys see it too. I'm sure, you know, one year top waters are hot. You know, if uh, I'm good friends with Lee Talkin, Lee lures, all he used to make was top water baits. And it got to a point where he was seeing that the big push for top waters was kind of waning and his, so were his sales. So that's why he started making glides and, you know, deep diving trolling baits and the Boilermaker bucktail, that sort of thing. You just have to expand because, I mean, musky, musky fishermen are, are fickle <laughs> folks. <laughs> and if there's something that's hot, that's what everybody seems to go towards. So if you don't have a little bit of everything, you're going to have as a bait, as a bait, you know, maker, um, you're going to have some lean years in there. So you have to sort of expand and have a little bit of, of everything, hopefully. I mean, I think it's well said, like you look at any musky fisherman's, you know, boat and it pretty much looks like a downsized version of a, a you know, a tackle shop because mm -hmm. you just, you carry everything. Oh, yeah. Um, But I'd be curious because like, you know, obviously being 
part of the industry then you know quote unquote like you're you're, mm-hmm. you're immersed in it what's something that like i guess you kind of took away from being on that side of the business and not so much of just a, being a consumer but actually being somebody who's building these things kind of running it like i know it's kind of an overgeneralized question but just like something from that side of the table you know what what's something that you know you kind of took away from from your time doing that a lot of people ask for a lot of free stuff <laughs> <laughs> oh. some of it's warranted some of it's not <laughs> yeah I but mean, uh you know those, that that's definitely kodiak, that's definitely kodiak baits aren't cheap yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was the thing too like rick wanted to make you know high quality everything was kept uh you know wood baits and not have it cross he didn't even like it when anything got over 50 dollars. you know he wanted it to be you know kids could come in and buy a bait and and you know the guy in central northern wisconsin that doesn't want to spend a hundred dollars on you know for like two or three hundred dollars on a bar fighter or something like that can can come get a naven at, at a decent price you know less than 100 bucks you know in the 60 70 dollar range so but but yeah that was that's that's definitely one thing i hadn't really considered before that that i i got to see you know on the on the back side of things um there's there's a lot of i mean and this can probably be said for anything there's a lot of drama that goes on that just kind of makes me shake my head anyway um mm-hmm. i don't know i i try to keep keep it as positive as possible and I, you just you start seeing a lot of negativity from people that was quite honestly surprising sometimes and you know i just try to kind of brush it off and and not let it bug me and not not blow it up on facebook like like some people do and and that sort of thing but uh um yeah i I like to (laughs) try to try to have people know what i'm doing but also uh try to stay under the radar and out of trouble as much as i can (laughs) yeah like a good facebook tussle airing everything online (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah um so i'll i'll kind of seed to to gus brand after this but i just my last question on the chaos stuff under the chaos umbrella this was probably an unfair question but if there was one lure that you had to pick from the chaos umbrella uh do you got a favorite could be recency bias uh you know feel free to name a few too um because i know mine but i just curious well i mean because i've had people ask me if there's one thing one one bait that you could have it's a mid medusa all day long i mean summer winter fall spring i mean a mid medusa is not a wrong answer for any of those mm-hmm. um i mean the i'm i'm partial to the esox assault stuff because that's what we started with i, I love a, our the little double eight and the the 109 i mean we were we certainly weren't the first ones to make like a stagger blade but uh that was we were pretty early on in that and that that 109 just gets me all sorts of fish up on eagle lake so um, that's definitely a, a big, big favorite of mine. Those are probably the two that I like the most. And the uh, third runner up is probably the Bubba, uh, the little walk the dog, big mama. They, I, I love those little guys. <laughs> that's awesome. It looks sweet. <laughs> I'll, um, uh, go I'll, I'll, I'll go oh, ahead, go ahead Brian. No, you nope. go ahead. All right. All right. Well, I was going to totally change gears. So if you had something oh, to add on to that, I had, I did. Okay. Um, yeah, go ahead. Well, and this is uh, Muskie's on tap, so I've got a beer here, so don't mind me. Heck yeah. Oh, there we go. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> what are you sipping on? It is a uh, Capital City Amber. So, Oh, love those. Wow, that's a favorite of ours for sure. That little guy. 
that's been in our fridge on a pretty consistent basis for a long time. I'm 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 going with the Liftbridge Fireside Flannel Brown Ale here tonight, which nice. uh, it's actually a very uh, well constructed can. Not not a huge can guy, but this is like probably one of the best cans. It actually feels it's got a flannelish feel to the can. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so yeah i don't know anyway sorry uh gus go ahead <laughs> <laughs> all right uh i was just gonna run off of the bubba because mm-hmm. so i i've kind of said this on the podcast a few times and some people that i know i'm not a huge topwater guy it's hard for me to get into it i haven't had as much success as most people and i know brian is more intrigued with it too with that walk the dog topwater but that is something that i really want to get into so what well i see in a lot of your videos i know if you've used them on eagle lake a bunch mm-hmm. um man i got a few questions i don't know where i want to start with this <laughs> I, I don't want, i could start simple uh when do you like to throw it to walk the dog top water i mean anytime the water is over 65 degrees i mean i i obviously you know you have the guys that say oh you can throw it till the it bounces off the ice um i mean i it, it's it's obviously a favorite of mine on Eagle Lake. Uh, I mean, top water is, but there again, Eagle Lake has some years where top water is not worth a darn. And sometimes that's the only thing going. Mm-hmm. I, I throw it a little bit in, in Northern Wisconsin. I know I was throwing it quite a bit um, early on in Iowa. Uh, those, those fish down there seem to gravitate towards those kind of not gliding walk the dogs, but just kind of like the bubble, bubble just kind of pops back and forth. Um, the weagle would be a good example of a, another bait that sort of does that. And I know, uh, uh, Steve Jonasy that guides down there, um, he'll, he'll throw that weagle in really, really early spring conditions earlier than I would ever think of throwing them. And I've, you know, he's, I've fished with him and filmed him a couple times and I've seen him get blowups, um, in, in water that I would certainly not think about it. So that kind of opened my eyes up to, oh, maybe these will work when it's, uh, when it's colder. But I think the same can be said for blades too. I think a lot of guys get it in their head that blades don't work outside. You know, if it's the water's less than 60 degrees and that's definitely, definitely not the case. They can, I mean, I know guys that are still throwing them in Southern Wisconsin right now. So. Wild. Yeah. I know that. I mean, these muskies can do, you can, on the same day, you can find them in 25 feet of water. You can go find them in three sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, it seems like at any given day, you can kind of kind of catch a muskie anywhere but obviously the the top waters are like a super go-to if you're fishing something that's almost impossible to fish a bucktail or some mm-hmm. sort of rubber bait through but with that man with that bubba a one the eats on that thing are sweet in your videos mm-hmm. that's got to be <laughs> easily the best part of it and i think you could maybe agree there oh yeah for sure the when they hit right next to the boat it's that's like the best Oh yeah. So with the boat side maneuver, uh, what do you like to do with the walk the dog top water? Well, so that <laughs> I think I actually say it. Uh, I was just editing a video because I'm still working on some stuff from August uh, uh, on Eagle Lake, and I, I have a fish follow in and keep the bait up up top the first time around, and then I push it under the water, and of course the fish takes away. And I say something like, you got a 50-50 chance and I'm wrong 75% of the time. It's <laughs> it's just one of those things where 
everybody, you know, you, you talk to some guys and they're, they are adamant. You got to take that bait underwater and, and get them to hit. Okay. I've tried that a lot. A lot of the times it doesn't work. Or you have the guys that say, well, that's what got them in. So you keep it up top and you keep it working. And a lot of times that, that doesn't work for me either. I, I don't know if I just have bad luck with, with topwater boat side maneuvers. I mean, I've gotten some, I've gotten a, a couple of cool hits. Um, I had a, a fish this past year that, uh, or was it last year? I, that all kind of blends together, but it came in and I, I kept the bait up top. I think I went down, the fish takes off. I bring it back up top, go around a couple of times. It comes back and it eventually ends up eating after six or seven go arounds. Um, so it's, it definitely can be done, but I have, I have terrible luck. So yeah, I'm like, I feel like I'm the worst person to ask, like, what should I do boat side with the top water? I cross your fingers and pray. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you there. There's definitely some baits, uh, that we always like to throw in their super awkward boat side, as opposed to just a bucktail, you yeah, know, there's, yeah. I mean, there's still no right or wrong there, but there's definitely better way to get you know better hookups or better chance to fire fish up but the top water deal is it's tough i've tried to sub- submerge like a weagle or something like that and it's it just looks like you got a stick behind your yeah the weagle rod tough you, to get under the water yeah that's the problem is yeah you stick the the rod tip down and then the bait just floats right back up on you like a bobber even if you're moving forward with it it's it's like you said it's sort of a an awkward angle to to deal with it at uh, I have a lot better luck with the uh, prop style baits, getting them to go under the water and keep them moving. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like you said, there's, there's a lot of baits that, you know, dive and rise baits, you know, glide baits, especially ones without a tail that you, you get to the boat. And it's like, my problem is half the time I want to stall the bait and see if I can get them to hit like on a death stop. But then I'm wondering in the back of my head, should I have kept that bait moving like to get them ramped up? Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. It just seems like it never works. <laughs> it's, it's so <laughs> random. I mean, it, uh, those baits are tough. I've had decent success on pull pause baits on doing almost like a really fast wide turn. Like you got a bucktail and then it's kind of yep. pausing it around, but that's still not a hundred percent. It doesn't work. Yeah. I've, I've definitely gone to keep that bait moving instead of trying mm-hmm. to do that, that last little death pause at the boat. Because I've seen it work, but my gosh, I've seen it way more times where that fish just says, nope, off off here she goes. So I've gotten into the habit of keeping the the dive and rise baits like a Naven or the glide baits and just, just keep them moving and pop it, just, just keep them popping. They don't even have to have that same cadence they had out on the cast. As long as mm-hmm. they're just kind of herky-jerky moving around, um, I think you've got a better chance of getting a fish to go when you're doing that and just changing directions in either an oval or a, a figure eight. Yeah, I, 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 if you have, uh, do you have anything else on baits or is that going to change it up? No, that's it for right now. Okay. Um, so I wanted to get into a little bit of your river experiences. Oh, yeah. uh, rivers are kind of untapped ground for us three. We've talked about it each year. Never really seem to give them much of a look. We talked about it this fall. Um, do you have a favorite time of the year? Like you specifically want to, you know, get on the river and then I guess how do you tackle them in the fogs? We we had kind of strongly considered it a few weeks ago. So how did it look this season for you? I like late spring, early summer for me is is the best time because you can just go out there with a you know a little. I like throwing a boiler maker or a little like little sister top water, just something that's moving fast. Um, and then of course that uh, the Lelors pelagic swim 
um, that little swim bait is just amazing in rivers because it it's got that wood body on the front end so you can keep it high in the water column because a lot of the stuff you're fishing is shallow but i mean the river thing i'm still kind of figuring it out uh, my uh, again my buddy nathan he's sort of the adventurer and uh he'll he'll call me up and he's like hey man you want to go up north and like just we'll just he's got a little 15 foot uh flat bottom with a 15 uh yamaha on it and uh get some pretty skinny spots so we'll just go find a river and, and start chucking baits i've i've found that uh a lot of the spots you think are going to have muskies don't uh, there's so many spots where i've cast a bait into it's like you can see the eddy and and you know everything that you've read about or heard about is like there should be a fish sitting there there almost always isn't <laughs> but then you'll you'll find that spot that looks perfect and ooh, okay there's a fish there all right i feel a little bit better about that now but the, the other thing i found about rivers is they can just be anywhere like and and i know that's not helpful in the least bit and it drives me insane but so last year uh, i got a, a 50 and a half on on the same river i got the uh, 53 on this year and it was just i was just making a cast you know back behind the boat into the middle of the river and the fish was just sitting there and came up and ate the bait you know it wasn't sitting behind a log on the shore it wasn't sitting behind a rock that's the problem i guess with rivers is if you've got some depressions where even if they're it's just you know that much if it's enough for that muskie to sit there and the water can go over top of it and it can just sit there and look up and wait for food to come they'll sit there mm. I, the only thing i can say is is for rivers that you've fished over and over again those type of spots that don't look obvious to the naked eye remember those once you see a fish in a spot remember it because the next time you go through you might not be, see the same fish but there will be a fish in that spot there's there's a reason that one was sitting there before and there'll be a reason that one is sitting there, whether it's a depression, a place to get out of uh, the current to feed on bait, whatever it is. Um, that's, that's the one consistent thing I've, I've found with all the inconsistencies in river fishing. So yeah. you typically find them relating like out of the current, I guess. I know you said like sometimes you'll see a perfect eddy and it won't be there, but in my head, whenever we talked about going out in the river, I've assumed you want to hit, you know, the deeper bank and then yep. find the eddies along that. Yep. Deeper bank. I mean, any wood that could, could be a, a current break for the fish, but I, I've also seen them in like two foot of water and riffles and like yeah. fast water. Um, <laughs> and, and not just, you know, sometimes you'll see them darting around, but sometimes it's because they're coming after your bait and you just, you wonder where in the hell did that thing come from? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, here again, it, for me, it's just time on the water and, and, uh you know how you know how people say uh work smarter not harder i fish harder not smarter i just go out and, <laughs> and fish for 16 hours and hopefully something happens <laughs> that's the way to do it <laughs> gus did you have something oh yeah i was gonna so when you're you're saying like the they could be anywhere at like any time in the rivers mm -hmm. and i definitely can see that like brian said you know, our Brian, the muskies on the tap ride said that <laughs> we haven't really exactly fished rivers, but I mean, up here we do have chains of lakes and moving water. And I mm -hmm. have seen where one spot, it could be a year, it could be down to even a day or two where the fish are just there and then they're not at all. Mm -hmm. And we have definitely seen that. And I wonder if it's just a thing with the flowing water where you're saying like all these perfect spots where they should be. They aren't, but then all of a sudden, maybe that one year you go back to that stretch of river where you've casted behind this exact rock 
every time you fish it, all of a sudden, boom, there's a fish there. Because these fish yeah, seem I, like they move probably a good bit. I would think I would think so. And and I would also say that if if a spot does look good, I don't care if you've cast it a dozen times and not seen a fish there, cast with the thirteenth time and there might be one there. I mean, if it if it looks good to you on the surface, there's gotta be something something to it and it's probably gonna hold a fish eventually. Or, you know, maybe it was holding a fish that whole time and you were just hitting it. It wasn't a major, it wasn't hungry, you know, who knows what it was. But yeah, I've I've definitely seen that on some of the rivers that Nathan and I have fished is is we'll go through a half dozen times and not see a fish in the seventh time, boom, all of a sudden there's one here. Was it always there? Well, I, I who knows who's to say, but yeah, if it if it it's one of those, if it looks good, go ahead and fish it because uh there's there's price up to it. Okay. Yeah. So and also with this river fishing, when you're uh saying Okay, hold on. Let me go back. So, mm-hmm. are you like running up river and then drifting down? Or are you able to kind of buzz spots, or do you just start at the launch and drift and then drive back up? I mean, I know sections and areas are different, more sketchy than not. But what? How do you like to approach the river situation? The answer to that is yes. <laughs> nice. All <laughs> of we you. We do both. Yeah. Um. Uh. There's there's a couple uh, rivers up. Uh. Way up north that uh will we'll just have one vehicle so we'll put the boat in and we'll go up as far as we can sometimes that means the props starting to hit hit the bottom so somebody jumps out and pulls us across and we keep going and try to go as far as we can and then fish our way back um if we've if we're close enough to his place and we've got two vehicles we'll just do a we'll just do mo- a, a float but if if there are spots that we want to go revisit we've got that option with the uh with the Yamaha um so you know we we do do it both ways it's it's a lot nicer when you have two vehicles and you don't have to waste your time running up and you know kind of disturbing that water just to come back on it but it it definitely works i mean we've we've got plenty of fish uh doing that but it's it's a lot nicer i i really like having having two vehicles and you can just do like a what you would consider a float um with you know being able to move up and down a little bit yeah i don't know if i'd have the patience gus to to have to drive about past all those good looking spots and then come back down. Yeah. I'd be like, can we just fish it's this tough. right now? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, oh man, I, I would like to get more into the river game. Um, but it's just, we have so many lakes in Northern Wisconsin. It's hard, oh, to, yeah. hard to get off bigger water sometimes to go, you know, fish an unknown river. But I know like if, by your videos and other people's the key stuff, you mentioned him. I mean, there's so many more untapped feels like areas, especially in the northern Wisconsin, northern central, even southern Wisconsin, uh, to find these things. But I do want to shift gears to uh, non USA territory here because I mm-hmm. would consider you, after watching your videos, somewhat of an Eagle Lake aficionado. Um, <laughs> th- this seems to be a body of water that enamors people when they go up there mm-hmm. and fish it. I've heard other people talk about it where it's like, it's just my favorite body of water. I don't know. You know, I'm sure there's a million, a multitude of reasons why. Um, but I guess want to hear it from you as somebody who does these trips regularly. I mean, mm-hmm. is this a body of water that the second you kind of started to figure it out, it just became like captivating right away. I mean, is it, you know, I, I think there's no Navionics on it. Correct. So correct. you're kind of just going and learning it as you do these trips. And I find yeah. that fascinating. I mean, that's, that's really cool. 
Uh, unfortunately, well, fortunately for a lot of people out there, unfortunately for me, um, I think they're going to have a pretty I've, detailed map in the I next year that. or two. Yeah, that's yeah. got to be like, what the heck? I just spent I know. so much time doing this man-made mapping. And now any Joe Schmo like us could go up to Eagle Lake in two years and be like, wow, that reef looks really good. Oh, my God, that area looks really good. And you're like, oh, it took me three years to find that spot. Yeah, you know, that it, in a nutshell, you just described. I don't blame you. I, feel I, about would it. Be, I would be pissed. I'd be like, what the hell? I'd... <laughs> but so, I mean, there, there's that part of it. You know, there's there's little spot on spots that I'm sure are going to have boats on it that never used to years previously. Um I mean, it still comes down to have it, knowing how to fish them, how far to be off of it. Because I think that's the thing about, about Eagle Lake that makes it tougher, I would say, than Lake of the Woods. You know, Lake of the Woods is you go up there, you find an island, you fish around the island, you go to the next one, you fish around that. You, I mean, you can pretty much bang shore and you're not doing the wrong thing. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of mid-lake reefs, spot-on-spot type stuff there, but... For the most part, I, uh, somebody that's never been to Lake of the Woods could go up there. I mean, the map chips are fantastic. They're one-foot contours. You can go up there and and probably have a relatively successful trip. Eagle Lake is a different animal because there are just not that many spots that I've found in the in the section of the lake, which we fish kind of the middle section. You've got Vermilion Bay. Actually, that's Eagle Lake right back there. Okay. Nice. <laughs> so oh, nice. Um, we fish the the middle kind of the biggest open basin uh, part of the lake and you've got Vermilion Bay uh, and Portage Bay to the north and then you've got Osborne Bay and Nivens Bay to the south um, so it you don't have the you know Vermilion Bay has the real deep clear trout waters it's tough fishing Osborne Bay shallower um, dirtier water and that middle part is like this just this perfect mix of you know, four to eight foot water visibility. You've got weeds you can fish. You've got rocks you can fish. You've got, you know, 60 foot plus water in the basin, but you've also got these little, uh, you know, shallow back bays that you can go fish. And the size of the fish, there are giants in that section of the lake. The numbers are there. So it's, it's like, it's the, I think for me, it's the perfect spot to fish. Uh, other than it is the biggest wide open base. So if you get a Southwest wind, you're, you know, it's like good night. <laughs> it can be pretty tough, but uh, yeah, you know. So even with even with the maps, you're still going to have to figure out how to fish some of these spots, some of the reefs. Um, the fish can be persnickety. It's probably the nicest way I, I could say it. Uh, <laughs> this past August, uh, I was up there with a buddy, and I caught four the first day, and we lost three. And that was like we got up there Friday afternoon, and that was just a couple hours of fishing. The next day we got two and missed two or three. So just in the first two days, we had shots at, you know, we had hooks and 11 fish, I think it was. Mm-hmm. We went the next four days straight. Nobody caught a muskie. Oh, wow. And then finally on the last two days, you know, I we hooked up on one or two and then one on the last day. So it's definitely a body of water that can kick your ass. I mean, uh, I've said it in a lot of the videos. It is, it's very humbling. <laughs> Because you're on, you know, world class. It's Canada. You know, the fish should be jumping in the boat, and they will, they will kick your butt, man. And and it can be really tough. When it's when it's kicking your butt out there, are you going mm-hmm. to spots you absolutely know, or are you kind of trying a couple new spots in there, or 
or what's your little game both. plan there? I'm, you know, we'll, we'll, my game plan usually when I get up there, because so usually we go up the for the opener, uh, which is the third Saturday in June. So a lot of times, I mean, most of the time you're dealing with post-spawn fish, just barely though. So what we'll do is sort of divide and conquer, you know, somebody will go hit weeds for two, three hours. Somebody will go hit rocks for two, three hours and we'll try to reconvene somewhere and That's cool. see what's going on. Um, hmm. Otherwise, you know, if, if it's just me and a buddy up there and we don't have anybody else to to rely on, it's fish a weed spot, fish a rock spot, fish a weed spot, you know, start trying to see, okay, are we, are we seeing more fish here? Are we, you know, do we, do we catch one? I mean, then it's like, okay, game on. It's, it's a rock bite or, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, it's get up there. We pay attention to the uh, moon phases. Um, and it's not so much that the fish on Eagle Lake will hit on a major or minor or, you know, right at the peak. Usually it's shifted one way or another by about an hour I've found. And if you can find out where that is, like if the major is nine o'clock and we got a bunch of fish at 10 or, you know, we talked to the other boat and there was a lot of activity at 10 and the next day, the majors at 10, you better be on your game at 11. I mean, so, so if you can find a pattern at the start of the week, you can usually follow it through that week. I mean, at, at some point it might change because, you know, weather uh, trumps everything. So if something blows through and kind of, shakes things up but uh yeah for the most part we've noticed that that if if you find a pattern it's not necessarily going to correlate exactly with the moon phase but it's going to be whatever whatever shift off one side or the other of a major minor it is follow that for the next day and it it usually holds true mm, wow that's interesting i've uh wow i think i think that's the first time i've ever heard that where you're following like the pattern progressively each day i know everyone just says follow moon phases but mm -hmm. not many people think about it like that exactly another thing i was going to ask about eagle lake and this is probably just a massive rabbit hole and i'm gonna <laughs> uh, show really what i don't know about canadian water is this lake correct me if i'm wrong has a good amount of water flowing through it it has a good amount of current um or... most of the lake dozen where we are i'm sure there's spots there's there's neck down spots where you can get uh, a current produced from some wind now saying that we are also in the um part of the lake that has uh, outlet bay where it actually flows out into eagle river um and we do fish that quite often but i, I never really fish it because i think because i'm thinking about the current i'm just i'm more fishing it because there's some grass flats that hold perch and stuff like that um okay so i guess i'm every now and again if, if i see some like you know if the waves are really rolling and i see some froth heading one direction or another i'll think to myself "Ooh, there's there's a neck down there maybe maybe there's some current moving through there but um there's there's another spot where it's like uh i know that's what i'm supposed to do and i, I don't know if i'm doing it right <laughs> right i i was just wondering because i mean I, what we fish up here in northern wisconsin is scaled down significantly and i've heard people talk sure. about I only fish this spot because the wind is blowing in it there or, or I'm going to go fish that spot because the wind is pounding in there. And I wasn't sure if that was just like a huge thing that you like to do up in Canada. Cause I've heard that's a big thing to kind of hit like a wind blown stuff. Blown definitely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I guess I wasn't okay. thinking about that as far as current, but yes, it, once you mentioned that uh, for sure, um, is it always the wind blown side? No. 
every now and again it's the that's why it's like there's a lot of times i just feel like i don't want to know what i'm doing because i'll fish the front side of it that's just getting pounded by wind it's like there's nothing here and we'll go around to the back side and catch a fish and raise one it's like well there's obviously a reason i'm not always good at being perceptive enough to figure out okay it's because i don't know mars was in retrograde i don't know what was going on (laughs) but some reason those fish were hanging out behind there so that all all that tells me is the next spot i go to you better check the the lee side because that's where they were hanging out in this spot so um you know it's kind of like musky fishing for dummies whatever you found the fish doing here try to recreate it in another spot and you know a lot of the times it it holds Mm -hmm. true so yeah, that I mean, I try and spring, summer, and fall. I try and fish the leeward and windblown side just about every single day. I don't know. I usually just, to be honest, the way I think about it, I just go to the spots that I like, wind in yep. there or not. Like I just got spots on lakes that I really like, and even if it's the day the wind's not blowing in there, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go try it. Maybe fish yeah. it differently, but uh, yeah, well, I was and just I think wondering I that was a thing. Like, I think a lot of that. Wind. A lot of that stuff too. I don't know. I confidence is everything. You guys know that. I mean, anybody that musky fishes knows that. Whether it's a bait style, it's a color. I think it comes down to moon phases. It's like yeah, because I've always heard the argument of, okay, well yeah, if you chart when when all these fish have been caught, it's always you know it's it's you know plus or minus the side of the the major the minor. Well, is that because everybody's out fishing their best spots then? Yeah. Or is it because mm-hmm. that's actually when the, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it just, it go, that it goes back to most of the time. I just feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going out there and, and fishing as hard as I can and hitting as many spots as I can in the amount of time that I have. And, and that's about the best I can do. I think the best I mean, thing is the fish heart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. T- time on the water is that, I mean, that's like, if you want to live by any rule in musky fishing, cause there are no hard, fast rules, but the one constant is typically the m- more time you spend on the water, more things are going to happen. <laughs> yep. So, Brian, you got something? Uh, yeah. I just wanted to go back to kind of what you opened up with about you. Like, did, so on those days when it would, I mean, you moved like four in an evening and then, you know, a few mm-hmm. days later you don't move any, you're talking about like fishing a rock spot and then a weed spot. Are you noticing like the fish will generally all be on the same type of structure then on certain days, or are you still giving like the weeds a look, even though you moved around the rocks? Um, oh, we'll definitely, there, there's, there's, there's weed spots. There, there's a massive weed spot on Eagle Lake that, I mean, you can, you can fish it seven times and not see anything. And the eighth time there's going to be all sorts of fish there, which means to me, those fish were there the whole time. They're just being assholes as mm-hmm. muskies can be yep. and, and not showing mm-hmm. up but uh so that that particular first night that friday night i mean we'd fish the weeds i think i got i'd gotten a 47 ripping a medusa through the weeds and we fished for a while and, and just didn't see anything the wind kicked up and it got overcast and i looked at my buddy and i was like we got to go check the rock first spot we went to i got a 45 second spot we went to adjacent to that we i missed a fish had one hit both side the next spot louie lost one the next spot i caught one and one or two spots later i got a 48 and, and a half i think so that was one of those times where it's like we got a rock bite i mean no ifs ands or buts about it i mean it's they, they're just going on blades on rocks but then the funny part is is 
the next day I thought, okay, almost the same conditions. The fish were there, but not moving as, as good. The day after that, we had even better conditions. We were fishing into the full moon. So every day going forward, I was thinking it's just going to keep getting better. We had overcast. We had, we had everything you could ask for that I wanted and we just got our butts kicked and it was fishing the spots that we thought would be good, which were the rocks, not seeing anything going to the weeds, not seeing anything there. And just kind of doing that, that game of back and forth of at that point, you're just kind of waiting out the fish, hoping that you hit the right type of structure at the right time. And, and, it can just eke out one for the day at that point. You know, you go from waking up thinking we're going to catch six of these dumb things to praying that you can just catch a 34 incher. <laughs> Been there before. That's for sure. Yeah. I was actually there this weekend. Um, so this is a two part, two part question. Yeah. Um, obviously spending that much time on such a legendary body of water. I I'd be curious if, you know, you have a, a banner day that comes to mind where everything just came together and you guys just like totally blew it out of the water. We are like, I don't know if we'll ever be able to repeat this. And then second, kind of on the flip side of that, have you ever had, you know, uh, have you, have you ran into a fish there where either, you know, it keeps you up at night or it followed in and made your eyes pop out of the back of your head, something like that. Um, you know, you hear some of those kind of ghost stories of Lake of the Woods fish or Eagle Lake fish where, you know, it almost mm-hmm. sounds unbelievable, but then, they're coming straight from people's, you know, mouths that have seen them that aren't, aren't novice anglers. Like they, yep. they know what a 55 plus inch fish looks like. Um, so I'm always just kind of curious to, to hear that as well. Absolutely. I have something for both of those. Um, Figured. probably, I don't know if I can really come up with a day because we, we've had quite a few, like four to six fish days on Eagle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a trip that I took in, gosh, it was, it was 2013, maybe my son had just been born and somehow I finagled my wife into letting me go take my dad <laughs> up to Eagle Lake. He's not a musky fisherman, um, but I, I wanted to get him up there. So we did a short trip. It was like five and a half days. And in five and a half days, I boated 17 fish and lost another 12 that I have ho- had hooks into. Oh my so God. I was averaging about having six fish hooked a day and you know it was like nothing huge but it was 49 a 48 a 47 so many 46s and 45s you know i mean he was fishing the back of the boat he you know people give me crap like why don't you let him have the front he he was perfectly happy yeah watching things unfold he caught three himself he was he was happy with it he had a bunch of follows he had a fault he actually had one of those fish the second part uh following that it was a legal fish which a legal fish up there's 54 um and it followed a top water in and just went around a couple times and of course i'm sitting there going oh you need to figure eight better <laughs> <laughs> but uh um i don't think <clears throat> excuse me i don't think that fish would have hit anyway but it was it was cool to see it so i mean that was that's probably and in in that trip i think i caught three muskies in the span of 10 minutes Oh it was like gosh. a 38, a 47, and a 48, just Jeez. back to back to back. It was it was ridiculous. I don't um, ruin a guy right there. Oh, no, big time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the so yeah, that that would be probably the best stretch I've ever had up there. It was just it was amazing. And then uh, as far as fish that will keep you up at night, there there definitely was one year. My other it gets confusing because uh, I've got two friends named Nathan, 
Mm-hmm. Um, the skinnier fellow from Canada and one's a larger <laughs> fellow from down southern Wisconsin here. Um, he, he's been going up there with me for quite a while. He and I were up there and uh, we raised this fish that was probably 56 to 58, I, I think. Um, the only reason I know it was gigantic is because we raised it a couple times, went into fish the weeds. Uh, Nate caught a 52 and a half and we were sitting there cause you can only fish Eagle Lake till a half hour after sunset and a half hour before sunrise. Mm-hmm. So he caught this fish and we were on a clock. So it's like, okay, you just caught a giant. Do we go out and try to get that one to hit or do we just stay put and not waste time running? So luckily we stayed put and, and fished that same spot. And then like 25 minutes later, I caught a 51, um, wow. out of like the same weed patch that it, he caught his, we were on the inside cast or casting out. And then I caught mine on the outside casting in. Um, but that was, so I guess, I guess I would told that story to, to say that that fish that we were seeing was significantly bigger than those two fifties that we got to see holding our hands, look at how they look in the water. And we looked at each other and went birth out there is way bigger yeah, than that 52. Man. And that was, that was close to a 40 pound fish. So. And and that one actually, we we took the net of the head off, and and you know this was you know, I, I don't know if I do it anymore, but we took the head of the net off and weighed the fish, you know, suspended in the net, um, and then weighed the net afterwards, and I think the math gave us like thirty nine pounds, fifteen ounces, or something like that. So close enough to just say, you know, that's a forty pound fish. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean. I feel like if you spend enough time on that a body of water like that, like something you're just going to stumble across something. Yeah. crazy. And there's, there's usually maybe not every trip, but every two trips or so we will run into a fish like that. That just mm-hmm. stops you. And I'm, I've gotten pretty good at not swearing too much. Like when I'm trying to make videos, there's been times where I, I completely forget the cameras are running and go, Holy yeah that's a big one you know yeah uh it's it's yeah there's definitely fish out there that'll get your heart pumping (laughs) well yeah we call it we just call it musky blackout because you just oh yeah like your all your wires cross and you just kind of forget where you are and what you're doing i mean like we we got you know a taste that obviously like with where we fish you know we've seen our fair share of big fish but nothing to the point like you just don't see double nickels in northern wisconsin you know yeah yeah um and so like when we went up and fished the the pmtt and vermilion uh this past summer was like the first real dose of that that we got where you're almost like shell shock scene oh sure you know giant fish and yeah i had you know unfortunately came across one that'll that's still to this day i see sometimes when you know, I'm laying on the couch and I'll close my eyes and be like, oh, God damn it. I can't believe I missed that fish because <laughs> it's the same deal. We caught a really big fish on the first day. And then the second day, the one I lost, I was like, and of course, it's the one you lose, right? Or the one you can't. Oh, get. yeah. I just I the only thing I told myself, I'm like, that fish was considerably larger than the one I caught the day before. And mm-hmm you know so who knows but uh yeah it's kind of that's what keeps you coming back right oh yeah for sure <laughs> um board cool. of tourism fish keeps you coming back yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly all right well let's get into some other states why not right i mean um i'm sure we'll we'll probably get to the youtube stuff here eventually because i know it was like yeah, yeah. one of our main things we wanted to ask about but 
you know, so you, you fish in all these beautiful places. Like, obviously, you know, you're in these remote rivers in Wisconsin, you're going up to Eagle Lake, and then you're talking about fishing states like Ohio and Indiana and, you know, Iowa. And granted, they got their beauty in their own right. So, like, you know, what what's the reason to go and try out those places? Like, what what makes you want to go do that than just take six trips to Eagle Lake every year um, or fish a Wisconsin of, rivers? A lot of times it's, you know, when, when we fished Ohio, we were out there for the – uh the Pennsylvania Muskie Max show okay. and we were driving back from that and and we've we've got some buddies out there that'll let us crash and and have some places that we can go Leesville in Ohio is one of the cool places to go and I mean I I fished uh, a little bit of Pennsylvania and West Virginia two or three years ago um I, the big draw there is we're doing that in March mm-hmm. um which for me that's like usually the time of the year where I'm going week to week going well what am i going to make a video of this week you know it's, it's trying to figure out what in the heck to do because once you get into the northern wisconsin opener eagle lake i've got backlogs of videos that'll keep me going for a while but uh that time of year i'm usually pretty desperate <laughs> yeah trying to find something to film indiana's the same way i went down there um uh rusty robbins uh from rusty's custom lures um rich reiner from uh, northern wisconsin hooked me up with rusty and um and he's got some really cool looking uh glide baits and uh spy bait and uh so i went out there and, and again it was it was march april i was out there fishing webster and a couple other smaller lakes with him uh iowa uh matt vavrock out there he's got a youtube channel he just and, and that's like the cool thing about the the whole youtube thing is matt called me up a couple years back and he's like hey man if you want to come out here and film sometime, you're more than welcome to stay here and, and, That's you know, cool. crash on the couch. And, and so I, I took him up on it and we've turned it into an annual thing now. Um, and actually our, our friend, uh, Ben Stone, uh, who is, is probably uh, like hands down one of the best, uh, with his editing and filmography. Uh, he's amazing. He'll come down from Minnesota and meet us at Matt's house and we'll all fish together and film that. That's, That's a lot cool. of fun. Yeah, that that makes a lot of it, it. It's it's a lot more fun filming with somebody that knows what they're doing. Like, I can just let Ben go, and he'll he'll film all the B roll for <laughs> for the three days that we're fishing because he's really good at it. And it's like, hey, there goes Ben. You know, I, I'm I'm gonna have to get that from him. That's good good stuff. <laughs> um, so it makes it makes it pretty fun when when you've got a bunch of guys that kind of know what they're doing. Uh, when the cameras are rolling. Speaking of that, uh, I I fish with Ben. Uh, and actually Matt came up and, and fished with us in Minnesota. It was the first time I'd ever fished Minnesota, uh, for all the years I've been muskie fishing, you know, people always say, Oh, you must go to Minnesota a lot. Just the one time. And of course I went there when they were being assholes. Once again, I think we caught one (laughs) fish in three and a half days on, on a body of water that Ben, you know, usually has no problems getting two or three hookups a day on, but of course, you know, he's hit it the wrong time. But yeah, and then and then of course Michigan, uh, uh, my friend uh, Mark Kornowski, uh, troublemaker fishing charters out there. Uh, we usually try to get out there and fish with him a couple of days, and that's uh, that's that's a really cool body of water to fish. Like St. Clair, it's it's crazy. I mean, we we had to drive 17 miles one day to get to the spot we were going to fish. Jesus. And in my head, you're like, you know, we just drove over a weed flat. Why aren't we fishing this? And it's like, no, the fish are over there on the Canadian side, and we've got to go, go over there to get them. But uh, yeah, it's it's hard to wrap my head around around that much water and and that many muskies, but spread out over you know a quarter million acres, um, 
it's like it's a needle in the haystack, man. I, I give those guys a lot of credit out there that that guide and actually know how to catch them and find them. So, yeah, no, I hope people don't get mad at me for try. Like, I, I hope the question to come across like I was knocking the other fisheries because, like, oh no, no, I think one of the coolest things about traveling and musky fishing is like a it broadens your horizons. I think two probably, I'm sure you'd agree, kind of makes you forces you to become a better angler because you gotta, you know, you kind of hit your wagon to these new bodies of water. You gotta learn how those muskies act and muskies in indiana probably don't act just the same as the ones in northern wisconsin or on a small river or up in eagle lake so it's yep, probably sure. really cool from your perspective to have to have this kind of rolodex of all these lakes that you fished and you know different strains of muskies you've caught and all that i mean it's just it, I, it's incredible stuff i mean it's very inter- interesting to me yeah, it's it, you brought up a good point. It's definitely I, I've learned a lot of things from fishing those places and fishing with guys that know what they're doing instead of you know if you just set me free on Leesville I wouldn't know what the hell to do because you look around <laughs> it's like well this looks like crap or the stuff that does look good is not where they are they're out you know chasing shad around in ten to twelve feet of water and Lord knows why they're there but they're there mm-hmm. um, so yeah it it definitely. It makes me think about what I'm doing in Wisconsin or in Iowa or in the, in these other places, um, based off you know fishing a either a reservoir that I'm not familiar with, uh, and maybe I can take some of what I learned there, and maybe it'll work on the lakes, maybe it won't, or maybe I can go to Castle Rock or Petenwell and use those same reservoir tactics because they're using you know out east and bring them back and and use them in Wisconsin hopefully. Sure. All right, well, Gus Brown, you want to dive into some YouTube questions? Because I'm kind of curious on how angling anarchy got angling anarchy got to uh, what it is now. Um, you know, you mentioned before we started recording here that you were actually doing some filming prior to angling anarchy. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, you can touch on that if you'd like. But kind of just walk us through the inception of angling anarchy name um all that stuff like how did it get started and did you kind of anticipate that it would get to this level or was it a goal you know kind of just touch on all that i guess sure um so the, the name came from uh well so initially that first youtube channel uh, catch the vibe um my buddy justin we were had this idea that if you filmed everything hunting fishing and and you know had it all on one channel an outdoors channel um that you'd get all these people watching and that is exactly what you don't want to do um (laughs) youtube is all about niching down as as, to as tight a niche as you can get sort of and there's nothing tighter in fishing than musky fishing i don't think so you know i was i was starting to see that and uh i didn't want to have a chaos tackle youtube channel just in case we did end up selling it one day so i asked uh, my buddy nate i was like we got to come up with a name for a new youtube channel and so we thought about it the next day he comes back to me he says what about angling anarchy like everybody likes alliteration like okay uh anarchy is you know sort of a, a synonym for for chaos so i was like okay that that works and then the uh i just i used the same uh, font that chaos tackle used and actually uh, i've got the, the hoodie on here if you can see it uh nice. but i used the 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 a from chaos tackle to make the anarchy symbol and just drew the j hook uh through there and that was sort of you know we, we drew that like basically on a, a bar napkin gave it to my wife's cousin who's a graphic designer 
And that night she sent the uh, logo back to me and said, what do you want me to change? Nothing. Perfect. Um, so yeah, it was, <laughs> it was as easy as that. Um, it's really easy. Yeah. I, oh, it's, it, I've had people say, Oh, who'd you pay to come up with that logo? It's like, well, I don't know. We drew it on a napkin and gave it to my <laughs> wife's cousin and voila, here it is. <laughs> um, but yeah. And, and then after that, I just, uh, you know, I, I started making videos, not on any type of schedule because I, I figured there's, there's no way. I mean, I, I, so my, my full-time job is as a chemist biologist for the city of Janesville at the, uh, water and wastewater treatment plant. So, you know, that's 40 hours a week, wife, kid, you know, trying not trying to be able to spend time with them, but also trying to get out and go fishing. I just, I never thought that I would be able to do what everybody tells you to do if you want a successful YouTube channel, which is be consistent. Like you're, you have this audience, they want to know when they're going to get videos from you. So you, you have to come up with a schedule. So, and I, I spent a lot of time watching YouTube videos about making YouTube channels more so than anything for a while there. And, uh, so, and that was, that was like the number one thing that came up over and over and over again. So I thought, all right, I've got to give it a try. Whether I last, three weeks, three months. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. And once I started doing it, I would, there was definitely points in there along the way where I thought, you know, it's Thursday. I don't really have anything. I don't know what I'm going to do. And this like little nagging voice in the back of my head is like, man, you got a street going, come up with something. Talk about your favorite Iowa base. I don't know. Like take some of the old footage you have, sit down, you know, people want to learn from it. I, you know, most of what I do is it's me and my buddies fishing. I hope people find it entertaining. If they can learn something from it, great. But that's not like my, you know, if you want to learn stuff, there's, there's better channels out there for that. I think, um, you know, Glenn McDonald, 54 bus does an amazing job. Lee and Robbie today's angler, you know, Doug Wagner does a really nice job. So you've got those guys. So speaking of niches, like, those are all the musky fishing guys. What, what can I do to, to just be a little bit different from them? And, uh, the best thing I could come up with is it's me and my idiot buddies acting silly, trying to catch muskies. Hopefully it's entertaining. Um, but yeah, that, that little nagging voice that says, just make a video, upload something. So you've got, you know, I, I picked Saturday at eight 30 because when I was a little kid, I'd wake up and watch ESPN outdoors when there's mm -hmm. an edge so i was like saturday mornings and uh yeah i just i, I forced myself to try to come up with something and i uh, have been for a little over four years now yeah that's oh that's awesome. awesome i love the little uh catch phrases or little things you do at the beginning of each video before you go into i'm gonna have again. to hire a writer man because i'm running out of stuff <laughs> there's no way after all the ones you've done you just keep coming up with them <laughs> I actually, I kind of got that idea from, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the show Letter Kenny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they'll do the like the little cold open stuff. Yeah. So I was like, all right, that's what I'm going to do, I guess. So I just, I started doing it and it, uh, it kind of stuck. So I even like oh, for our perfect. podcast, we do like different movie quotes for every episode. I noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> so like, awesome. I'd, I'd always be like, I'm always really curious because like when we started it, we we're like, oh, this would just be like a funny thing to do. It's not like a boring intro. Um, but I kind of laughed to myself. I'm like, I wonder if like people, you know, 
just start listening to this podcast for the first time and it's like oh this is their open every week (laughs) this is not applicable movie quote that makes no sense to fishing at all sometimes (laughs) they're supposed to be applicable but yeah yeah. so yeah no no i mean it's it's really cool what you built and and obviously you know very impressive and not easy like you're talking about you know you're spending all these hours editing and doing it and you know, the ad revenue, like you said, it's just like kind of a little bonus as to, you know, mm-hmm. what you're bringing to the musky industry. So take this as a thank you. We thank you for pushing out the content. It's I appreciate uh, it. You know, makes and the winters a little shorter. And it's uh, that's people one of the coolest things is, is going to the musky expos. And I've, I've had not a ton, but I, I'll, I'll have like a dad and his kid come up and say, oh, we watch you every Saturday. And in my head, I'm going, really? Yeah. <laughs> why are you watching me i'm an idiot uh but it's it's just it's so cool it's so cool to have have people come up and say that to you it's it's really really neat well i think it shows like that there's a you know a need for it in the musky mm. world like people want to watch people catch these things because they're not easy you know and it's it's entertaining yeah. and it's fun and i've always i'm always curious to see how other people are doing it because sometimes you just got a little get a little locked in on what you're doing and Sure. I was just kind of refreshing to see how other people tackle it. And I don't like to have too many of them a year, but it, it happens is, I mean, I'm not trying to make a video every week that has fish catches. I'm trying to make a video every week. That is the experience of the day on Eagle Lake. And sometimes that day suck. Like spoiler alert, this Saturday is basically me missing two fish and it's going to be three minutes at the end of talking about how bad the Eagle Lake can suck sometimes and, and the experience out there and just trying to kind of tell the story of that day. You know, I, again, you, you get the occasional comment of, oh, well, that you just wasted 15 minutes of my life. Man, shove it up your ass. It's free content. <laughs> it's free. You know? Yeah. There's, That's there's so been, funny. has there been a lot of times where I've watched something online and thought, well, that was a waste of my time. Have I ever taken the time to like air my grievances and type it out? No, you just, you move a non man. It's like, if, if you've got the time to, to be a, an a-hole and, and type that, I, I have gotten a lot better. That used to bother me so bad. Cause I'm just, I'm a people pleaser. I want everybody to think what I'm putting out there is cool. And you know, I, I know better, but <laughs> Uh, I've gotten a lot better over the years of looking at comments and going, wow, this again, and just either <laughs> ignoring it completely, because I think that's probably the thing that pisses that person off the most is because they're, they're leaving a comment because they want something. They want some pushback. Yeah, They want a reaction. So I think the best thing you can do is just don't like it. Don't heart it. Don't comment back. Just, just let it go, man. <laughs> it's, go. it's, and it's so hard because you just want to, you just want to light them up. And every now and again, I, if somebody says something really stupid, I will light them up. But uh, for the most part, I can hold back and just let it be. And, and, and I think it was, you know, not that I'm comparing myself to Joe Rogan by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I've listened to his podcast a couple, you know, uh, here and there. And he's like, you can't look at the comments, man. You can't look at the comments, especially for somebody that's, that's as big as him. But, but I even, I kind of took that to heart. Um, and it's like, am I going to see every single comment? Yes, because there's just there's not thousands of them. There's you know dozens maybe if I'm lucky on a video. So I'm gonna I'm gonna end up seeing every single one. But 
I've gotten good at when I see those crappy ones. I have to remember the hundred good ones that came before it and the hundred good ones that are going to come after it. And it kind of sucks in the moment because it, it, it seems like it, it'll just wash out those hundred good ones, but you just, you have to let it not do that. And it's, it's easy to say hard to do, but the more you do it, the easier it gets. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, it's like you said in the beginning when you were trying to get on a consistent schedule and you were maybe mm-hmm. worried about trying to figure out how to put out a video if you didn't feel like you had the content that you needed. Maybe you're pressured to have, you know, a fish or a big fish in the video. But for me, and I think for Gus and Max as well, like watching your videos, watching Keys Outdoors, like mm-hmm. a lot of the fun of watching the video is just a journey of getting out there in the lake, the visuals of it all seeing what all goes down. And if you catch a fish, it's a bonus. But I think, yep. you know, the true guys who love musky fishing and all that comes with it, enjoy a video, not just solely to see what you catch. So, uh, I mean, sure. all the videos are great regardless of the outcome. But yeah, just the journey of it all is cool to see. And I I, I noticed that from uh, from Keys and um, on a bigger platform. I don't know if you guys know Stephen Ranella, uh, the meat eater mm-hmm. uh, show mm-hmm. that he used to have. I don't know if they still have that show. I know he's got the podcast. But I used to watch that, and it was the first hunting show that I, I ever watched that didn't always have a kill at the end. Like, mm. he would go out and maybe miss a shot or not even get a shot, but it was still really, I mean, the camera work was really cool. The, again, the story that he was telling, and that's what a lot of a lot of people sort of look past. You know, the, a lot of people that'll go out and they want to make videos and they they think the best thing to do is just string together catches i mean that's fine and you'll have people online tell you that that's what they want it's such a small minority of minority of people most people whether they know it or not they click on a video and they want to see a story start middle finish you know i mean it's it sounds like a trope but it's true i mean the story is what it is all about if you uh, listen to guys like John B or Perrick, AP Basson. Uh, uh, you know, those are some of the most successful fishing YouTube guys out there. And they'll say the exact same thing. It's the reason I wear a chest cam and not a head cam is because all the audio comes from the chest cam. And, you know, there, there's other ways to capture the audio, but I like having this thing that sits on my chest. I, I, I like to have it sitting up a little bit higher. I purposely keep my hands out of the way. Are there times when it's garbage footage? Yes, but the audio is always good. Mm-hmm. So, and and that was one thing that uh, you know John B was fishing with Lee and Robbie, and that's you know early on when they were getting today's angler started. He told them that's why that's why I use the chest. It's it's not for the video. It's it's for the audio. So, um, a, a let's see, a really really well filmed video with crappy audio people are going to click off of it it's i mean it's just you can't stand having that grating sound in your ear a mediocre video with really really nice audio people are going to watch that they'll stick with it yeah despite what people online tell you that again that's the silent (laughs) or that that's the vocal minority and i mean most people uh would think otherwise yeah i mean we like yeah tough tough with some of the comments sometimes and I'm glad you brought it up though. Cause I think it's important. I mean, I, to go back to like videos where you're talking about these people, you know, not, you know, you're putting out content where you're not always catching the fish. I think it's good for other people who are watching it to see, because you don't want to discourage people from 
getting into the sport because they're just seeing these people go out and catch fish all the time. And if they're not, you know, it's like good for people to see. I think, you know, people that do this regularly have really shitty weekends or shitty days. Um, and if you did have something where all you do is talk about, man, I just, I catch fish every time if you come across disingenuous to people that actually musky fish. Cause you, mm-hmm. we would know that you're just like not telling the truth because obviously we've done this enough where you know, you're going to have days where it just sucks. And like, it is yep. what it is. And some of the things can be out of your control. And I mean, with the comments, like it's, you know, I don't know where these people, you know, get the time to do that stuff. I mean, I know right. like when we started our podcast, like, you know, we were really nervous. Of, and I'm maybe not don't want to speak for Brian and Gus, but like you're a little nervous about putting your yourself out there a little bit. Uh, you know, and I think our first comment on Apple Podcasts was like, end it. <laughs> so it's like it's like ah oh, shoot all right well guys sorry let's pack it in hey, at least we tried well done. <laughs> and you know since then obviously we've had a lot of really really awesome people you know reach out or like we've been able to meet awesome people and it sounds like yeah. you know, you've been able to do the same so um yeah the pros definitely i think outweigh you know the cons oh for sure and and i get a ton of positive comments on those no no catch videos because people say that exact same thing. It's like, oh, it's good to see, you know, somebody that knows what they're doing, which I don't, but <laughs> it's it's good to see somebody else like having crummy days like that. And I, I think you're right. It's it's good for people, especially if they're just getting into the sport. And and I, I guess I do the same thing with with uh because every now and again I'll catch hell for for measuring fish. You know, I mean, so I belong to Muskie Zinc. I'm a scientist. Uh, my job is as a chemist. So like, I like measuring things. Uh, every time I catch a muskie, there's that little kid in me that like, I want to know how big that is. I don't want to guess at it. I want to know. So if I can safely wet the bump board, get a quick measurement, get an accurate measurement, because the other thing is, is anything that I submit to muskie zinc in that lunge log, that can be used by DNR biologists or, you know, fish biologists to not only study muskies as a whole, but muskies in a particular lake. You know, I once had a guy say, well, you don't need to do that. There's 400 and some thousand entries in muskies Inc. It's like, dude, you know nothing about data. That's all the muskies. Like, what if somebody's looking at Webster Lake in Indiana and there's only 10 fish? I mean, I'm sure there's more, but say there's only 10 fish for a lake and I catch five. I've just made that data set 50% larger. You know, so I I think that's important. The guys that don't want to measure your fish, don't measure your fish. That's fine. But I, you'll get the guys, I call them the the musky virtue signalers. You know, a guy will say, well, I don't measure unless it's 45, which question, how do you know it's not 45 (laughs) unless you measure it? For one thing, there's been a lot of fish. There's been a lot of fish (laughs) in my boat that were either a 42 or a 48 that were guessed 45, you know, so you can be off a little bit. But then you've got the, you know, one guy's 45 and then I had one guy say, well, I don't do it unless it's 47. Well, so what's this magical number that you just picked out of the ether? Like, is it just because you heard a guy say 45 and you want to be two inches better than him? So you picked 47 and you, you can sound more virtuous. That that stuff drives me crazy as well. And so I guess the reason I brought that up is I'd like to show how I measure the fish because that novice angler that might be watching me, I don't want them to get pounded by all these guys online saying that you should never measure a fish because okay so say they take that to heart and they're constantly just water unhooking 36 and 37 inches and they've never really handled a fish 
okay, so they catch a 50 and you want that to be the first fish they hand that you want them to practice on a 50? No, no, man. Like measure your fish. I've talked to, you know, Jordan Weeks from the DNR. He's the, the DNR, uh, the musky guy for Wisconsin. Uh, love him, hate him, uh, whatever. I've talked to the guy a couple times and I, I've talked to him about this particular situation. And he said the same thing. He's like, I, I I'd rather have people measuring those small fish, getting used to, to doing that. So that when they do get one of those big fish that you have to be careful with, they at least have an idea of, of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's another one of those things that I deal with online every now and again that I've just kind of gotten good at ignoring. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Um, all right. Well, man, this has been a lot of fun. I know we're kind of hitting that certain time and I like to kind of open it up, see if anyone else has any other questions. Um, feel like we could keep continue to do this for the whole night, but you've been very generous with your time. So we want to be for respectful sure. of that. Um, Brian, Gus, you guys got any last few things here before we wrap it up? I mean, I'd love to compare and contrast each lake and each state and how they differ, but <laughs> <laughs> we don't need a 10 hour pod. Um, I guess if you could just kind of hit, I'm always curious in like Canadian lakes and then Lake St. Clair, um, just a general, the differences in Lake St. Clair with Canada or maybe some of these other trophy waters. I know, I know it's totally different for most of the year. Uh, yeah. I mean, so from what I've seen from Lake St. Clair, it's, it's, I don't know if I'd want to call it open water bite. Cause I think when I think open water, I'm thinking like 50, 60 feet of water, Cisco, like Lake Geneva, maybe, but it's, it's definitely open water in there's miles and miles of 15 to 17 foot with the occasional weed patches and knowing which weed patches hold fish is just, like I said, it's, it's mind blowing to me. Um, whereas like Eagle Lake, even though that's a, a fairly big body of water, it's stretched out and pulled into all these little bays and crevices and stuff where Lake St. Clair is this big giant, uh, you know, relatively shallow bowl for, for how big it is. So, yeah. And, and, you know, structure wise, it's, it's not very, fun i don't think anyway you know you you've got your canadian lakes with oh, we, we can hop over here to this weed better we can hop over here to this this reef and and kind of hop around the spots where lake st Clair. it's like you you pick a weed bed and that weed bed could be a couple miles by a couple miles and you try to set up drifts um it's i guess i'd say it's sort of similar to fishing uh bay green bay green bay maybe on a smaller level but um where you're you've got these kind of bigger expansive you know grass flats with maybe the occasional cabbage bed and you're, you're doing these big long drifts, just trying to, you know, hopefully pinpoint a couple of those good weed patches along the way and, um, and do that sort of thing. So yeah, it's, it's man, it, that St. Clair stuff. It's, it's a different animal and you can go out there and get your butt kicked too, or you can go out there and have a 10 fish day casting or a 30 fish day trolling. I mean, it's, it's bonkers. The, the numbers those guys come up with out there sometimes. It, it seems like, from what we've heard, the hardest lake to just pull up with your own boat and go find a muskie. Um, like you said, it, yeah, it's just like 15, 20 feet or whatever. And there, I mean, there's weed flats all over, but you, you had mentioned something earlier. Do, do the muskie in that lake kind of move? Like, do they migrate to certain ends, like the Canadian side at certain times of the year, and then they'll move back towards Southern side I, or. I don't know a ton about it, but I, I know for sure that um, summertime, the Canadian side, uh gets a little bit more pressure or, or the fish are, are there for whatever reason i'm not smart enough to know why 
Um, I'm just, I'm thankful that I've got some buddies out there that have a little bit more <laughs> of an idea. Um, I, you know, and definitely there, there's times I think in the, in the, you know, late fall and winter where they'll start coming in towards the river mouse, the bell river, uh, the Detroit river, um, and that sort of thing. Whereas in the summertime, they're, they're a little bit more in the main body of water. I think, I think in the early and late, you can relate a little bit more to, to current actually. Um, but there could be a guy over in St. Clair going, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. And he's right. <laughs> I just want to ask you this, um, mm-hmm. for our cold intro, you got a movie that we could use a quote from just any Ooh. random movie that might have just a good quote throughout it. I mean, we could do some searching unless you have a exact quote. Or, I uh, love National years. Treasure, but I don't know if there's anything from National Treasure you could use. <laughs> oh, we'll find something. I think, I could, yeah, I could get something out of that for sure. Uh, <laughs> right on. All right. Well, uh, before we sign off here again, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Really Thanks for having it. me. Um, you know, you want to just kind of give out uh, where people can find you on Saturday mornings. And also it looked like you had some pretty sweet sweatshirts you were selling. That I think oh, you're yeah. rocking right now. I yeah. well, real quick, they were Gus and I grew up playing hockey. Um, so big fan of the hockey laces on the sweatshirt. Oh, right on. Yeah. Well, yep. that's, that's another thing I stole from chaos tackle. Cause they used to have the, I don't know if you can kind of see it, but it, it used to have the chaos tackle lettering with the, the kind of the ghost Medusa behind it. So mm-hmm. I kind of stole that and put angling anarchy with the big uh, symbol behind it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I love the the laces on the, the hockey style sweaters. You got, the, you got the quad dog laces going. Oh yeah, yep. <laughs> or I guess a, a yeah. on Medusa laces. <laughs> don't mean to plug a different page. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even have a quad dog yet. Yeah, no. You got you got the Medusa laces going. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but as far as finding me, it's you know, uh, England Anarchy YouTube, eight uh, thirty Saturday mornings, eight uh, thirty Central Standard Time um instagram which i try to post little clips and pictures to is angling underscore anarchy uh facebook page angling anarchy at some point i need to uh actually have a website where i can hopefully sell some of these uh like sweatshirts and i'd love to get some uh i've got a couple of hats that i made um had made uh sun shirts and and that sort of thing but uh, i figured I'd, i'd start with hoodies see how that goes um, so far it's, it's been a pretty good response. So yeah, I mean, uh, angling anarchy at gmail.com. If anybody's out there and wants one, I just put in a big order, uh, got a couple extras, so I'll have some sitting around, but if it's anything over a two XL or under a medium, you're gonna have to wait till the next order. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On. All right. Well, uh, yeah, uh, we can't thank you enough and I hopefully, uh, we'll be able to get you on again here in the future. Um, Absolutely. Gotta- I'd love to keep hearing about all these awesome travels and especially it sounds like you'll be doing some fishing throughout maybe end of winter, kind of early springtime. Um, Hoping to get out actually a week from now um, down in Illinois with a buddy of mine. That might be it for musky fishing for a little bit. Um, But I've got a friend, Colin Schlicht, who guides muskies on Pewaukee. Uh, We'll go over to uh, Milwaukee and and try to chase some lake trout uh, with some jig and spoons. Um, those videos don't do as well, but they're, they're fun videos. So they're, they're cool to make, uh, cool to watch. So, uh, I'll do a little bit of that in the, in the off season here, but yeah, hoping, hoping to get back out 
either east or a little bit south uh february march and start getting the the musky stuff rolling again sweet um before we let you go something just popped in my mind that i want to ask yeah. you apart from musky what's your next favorite fish to target oof you know i love trolling for salmon I, i'm only an hour and a half away from racine and uh, on lake nice. michigan and i've i don't have a big boat it's a 1750 crestliner fish hawk with a 115 suzuki on it but i uh i, I worked at gander mountain in janesville part-time years and years ago so while I was there, I got a couple of downriggers and, and all the trolling rods. So I can actually, I can put out a spread with two downriggers, uh, three or four dipsies and a couple of lead core, uh, planer, planer board rods. And, uh, I just, I, I used to go out there a dozen times a year and, and do really well. And I just haven't had the time lately. Uh, so I, I do, I do, I don't like trolling that much, but trolling for salmon just seems to be a different animal it's it's pretty cool so i i do really enjoy doing that awesome yeah i've done that a few times and that is a lot of fun and they're yeah. tasty oh yes absolutely <laughs> yes. so thank you so much brian for coming on we can't wait to get back in touch and get you on again awesome thanks for having me on guys it's a lot of fun yes yeah. sir thanks brian All right, guys. Well, that was a lot of fun. I uh, can't thank Brian enough again for coming on and joining us this evening. Um, real quick, as we always like to do, Brian, what's your biggest takeaway from the interview with uh, other Brian? <laughs> well, other Brian, uh, I'm a little bit jealous of all of his travels. I always like hitting new water. I mean, this guy has been everywhere within the last year. Um, so, yeah, a little. hopefully we can take a page out of his playbook a bit, maybe work out of out of northern Wisconsin a little bit more a little bit more in the coming years. Um, but yeah, like he said, there's just every body of water is so different across these states. Um, and you know, we've been mentioning in other pods, but hopefully we can get up to Canada next year, experience that for our own instead of just hearing all these crazy stories from everybody else. Um, but yeah, just cool to hear all of his adventures. Gus, what about you? Oh man, I'm trying to think on some of the things that we talked about. I mean, the one one thing talking about the the top water with the Bubba and the walk the dog, that's just something that I know all three of us would really like to uh, experience. Man, I was hoping he'd sell the top water. I think he was doing a pretty good job. And, you know, I I might have to look up Chaos Tackle for that one. (laughs) Because that Weagle we got hasn't done anything. I know. And I keep in my head thinking like have we given that thing a fair shot like i've thrown it a handful of different times but doesn't seem to stay on the line for too long so i don't know i, I don't know more yeah, experimenting know, next yeah. year no mm-hmm. it's but yeah with it with him it, it man I, I love the travels that he does the fact that he doesn't just do new water but he does new states so i'm i'm with you there brian little little jealous of that and and uh hoping to kind of branch out in the near future ourselves, you know, if we're able to do that, you know, with Canada being one Minnesota or, or some of the other places close nearby or, or somewhere South that opens up prior to uh, Memorial day weekend or even Southern Wisconsin opener. So mm-hmm. Max, what do you got from it? I'd probably say the Eagle Lake stuff was, um, 
I, you know, I knew it was going to be interesting, but I was, I was really interested just kind of hearing about, you know, the success that he's found out there. And I thought it was pretty funny talking about how like the Lake chip might get put into the Eagle Lake system um, hmm. here yeah. pretty soon. And I'd imagine that's probably frustrating to a lot of our, uh, uh, you know, guys that listen to this or gals that listen to this that fish those types of water, because as you know, like we really like experience exploring new bodies water in northern wisconsin and especially those that you know don't have maybe the best navionics or lake chips on them um you know maybe are a little bit more off the beaten path and and that's kind of what makes them cool so this like you know lure of eagle lake i feel like part of it was because when you went out there you know you had to just figure it out on your own you're kind of going back to like you know, tossing back the clock a little bit and not leaning on your technology as much. And, uh, that, uh, you know, something that I think is, is pretty sweet. So yeah, just hearing about his Eagle Lake stuff. I, I was really intrigued by all that. And, but yeah, uh, you know, coming off of a good, uh, Thanksgiving weekend here, Brian, you were on the road, went, uh, you flew South. Yeah. Not on the road in the air. Yeah. In the air, he flew with the birds down South and, uh, got to spend some time down there. How was, uh, how's your Thanksgiving? I'm sure you, uh, I'm sure you joined the clean plate club multiple times, uh, last weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had plenty of leftovers. I probably ate as much as my other three family members did combined. So, you know, me had to make sure there was nothing getting thrown out, but, uh, right. aside from the food, aside from the food, it was a great time to get down there. Obviously a little nicer weather than what y'all were dealing with up here. Uh-huh. uh managed to get out and fish a little bit just caught some bass uh nothing too crazy nothing over 10 pounds but uh <laughs> get back to your roots yeah 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 um bass actually will hit a walk the dog bait unlike our success with with muskie but yeah it was a good time um you guys though were out fishing a little bit sounds like you almost had really good luck until <laughs> Yeah. So what yeah. happened good dot 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 <laughs> um well yeah we've been grinding this uh late november and we've had we've been squeaking out some fish uh the giants are evading us uh we've had a couple skunks and just recently one of the recent skunks came with uh heartbreaks so um as some people maybe saw on the muskies on tap or my own instagram story i threw up two clips of uh me jigging and losing both fists uh and me losing both fish and that's uh that's tough <laughs> i don't really know game. what to make of it it is yeah you just got to keep going i i'm hoping to be uh one of them was really big the other one i'm not so s- certain it was giant but uh one of them the I... other was was big were you feeling it or was it live scope i mean if you look in the video the videos are down actually now i might still end up posting them but the uh the one when it was a lot lighter out the one that was definitely bigger that was a nine foot x heavy rod had it bent pretty good thought i had a great set came off of a crib that the previous day max clayton and i saw come off this crib trolling and on live scope it looked quite large and then later in the night, the day before, we saw one in that area that looked quite large. We started there. That was the first spot of the day. It was like 10, 15 minutes into the day. Uh, Max and I and the family got done 
doing our annual cut down some Christmas trees. And uh, so we didn't get out until like noon or so. And uh, I think in the video, I was like, Max, point the you know, live scope forward. I want to know where that crib is. And like, as he was about to do that, I'm kind of just nonchalantly jigging. And, and also we're like, Oh, Oh, something like it was pretty much as soon it was, as it was coming off the bottom, it just ate like right as I did a rip up and then I dropped it all the way down to the bottom. And as I was probably thinking about doing another jig, I just felt the rod go to dunk, just pulled right down and I ripped right back up and it just, it just loaded really well. And I didn't even have to reel too much with the high speed reel. It wasn't moving a whole lot and it must've T-boned it weird or I didn't drive the hooks home and, and uh, yeah, I don't know. And and then that one later at like four 30, it was pretty much dark out. That was on setup number three of the day because the first two were icing up so much. I brought three rod and reels out there. And I would use them for a couple hours and then, or not even a couple hours, like hour, hour and a half. And then they'd ice up too much right have to put it away and put the bait on the next one. And I was on my third one towards the end of the night where it was already kind of at the end of that one's life of the rod guides not freezing up and the reel probably not functioning correctly. And as some people saw in that video, the uh, reel did not uh, uh, do its thing and that one was a nine foot heavy, so it looked like it bent more, but I the fish was coming up a lot quicker. This was in shallower water. I was we were in like 14, 13 feet of water only at that point. Uh the first fish was in deeper water than that. And uh as soon as I set the hook and I went to reel, just the whole line off the reel like slipped out. It wasn't a drag thing. I keep my drags locked. I don't know if like the button was pressed in a weird way, or it just had that weird noise where you almost feel like gears are being stripped. And then it like stopped, it like locked back down and I was able to reel. And by the time I was reeling back down to it, it popped off and my bait came flying out of the water. So that fish was maybe close to being just like two foot from the surface, two feet uh, from coming up. And we never got to see that one either. These, I don't know, it was crazy. Damn. So you're, it sounds like, I mean, always a little sour taste in your mouth. Sounds like you're trying mm. to keep the boat afloat here uh, for another few outings. So you're going to finally yeah. winterize it. Yeah. Lakes are still open up here. Uh, you got to do your driving now. Now you really got to go searching around looking for open water. Most of the times you're not exactly going to a, a lake that you think, has open water because of how big and deep it is you really got, you have to look for lakes with boat launches in areas that aren't in bays or little tucked away areas and we've had a you know giant northwest west winds and if you're on that leeward side of the lake you're pretty much screwed i mean that stuff is that stuff is locked up today woke up to what was it max uh before you left it was like 10 Real feel negative three, negative five, or something like that. Yeah, it was cold. I I would not Very have. Uh, I don't think it was even really possible to musky fish today. And I haven't seen you that frustrated in a long time. I, on, uh, I've been Sunday pretty, night. I, I mean, I'm not so. Here, I was gonna. <laughs> I wanted to bring this up. I was gonna joke around in the interview and say, "Let's sign a petition to make getting skunked okay again." 
you know, because <laughs> like it's normal. It's musky fishing. And I'm not trying to like say that I, I want to get a fish every single day. I mean, that's a great goal. It's not going to happen, but it's a good goal. That's how you start. You know, I'd like to get a chance at a fish each and every day. You might not get it. But there's there's a few skunks this fall on certain bodies of water that I would have really put a good, you know, penny down on. We probably could have should have gotten a shot and didn't. And I don't know if that's just from I, I think it's just the lack of late, late fall knowledge that uh, that I have. And I'm definitely learning and uh, paying the price as I go. Well, as well it doesn't help that muskies just decided to not make suckers as part of their diet this fall in violas county yeah. yeah it was sucker fishing was going i'd say normal uh i would it it was the latest we've ever caught a sucker fish to start i think the first sucker fish was like september 29th whereas every year before that we were able to squeak one or two or more out between like the 10th and 20 something of september and and once they got rolling, they got rolling and they became a prevalent thing in uh, in our fishing. And then all of a sudden there's days we had suckers out and we were catching them casting. And then all of a sudden there's days we were, had suckers out and we were missing fish casting. And then they became skunk days because they didn't even touch the sucker. And then there's some days that they wouldn't touch anything. And it was That's just my favorite. It was getting uh yeah, that's not my favorite. And uh and uh, I started switching gears to trolling, started getting a few trolling and trying to go back to there. And there's days where we did 50-50 on trolling and sucker fishing. And I would say more time was spent during uh major feeding periods with suckers out and we'd get them trolling. And it was just confusing me. Like my mind was just it wasn't, I was getting more frustrated than I would in the summer because one, we have less time during the day and two, the fish just don't eat as much during the day. So to figure out the bite and use suckers for a prolonged time or troll for a prolonged time was just a very difficult task to like figure out a pattern. And I was, yeah. and we're still kind of traveling to different lakes and then there's a few days in a row where we'd go hit the same lake and kind of expect different results and not didn't really exactly happen. And I don't know, it's, it's been a, it's been a humbling late fall, you know, that's, that's musky about all, be I musky can, and... all I can say there. I don't really have too many like full on tips for people. I advise to probably not go out on days that don't get above freezing I would, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, do you want to touch on the highlight of the weekend? Talking about the trolling game. I mean, I know it's maybe not a tip or something that you can repeat every time just because um, we kind of got, it's kind of an interesting thing, but it was kind of a funny slash cool catch if you want to talk on that. Sure. Yeah, I don't think Brian, uh... I don't think Brian kind of heard the full rundown of what actually happened. Yeah, this is a pretty funny story of how we uh, got one. Uh, Max, our buddy Clayton, who we just had in the podcast not too long ago and, and on a few other times, and myself were out trolling, uh, designated trolling day, and we had live scope running, and with the, since we had the three of us, and we had our three uh, lures out, uh, 
somebody could drive, somebody could make sure the rods are doing all right, and somebody could actually kind of hold on to the live scope pole and check out the the two down rods because we had two down rods and one planer board out. And uh, we had some fish come up and look at lures, and we were kind of playing around with speeds. We were kind of giving them rips, and fish would react kind of, and then they'd go away. And uh, And we came across this one fish that we marked off a point following a bait pod and we think it's the same one it could have been a different one but it was like the same area we did a big old loop came back around and we're like oh there's one coming up to follow lure and then we kind of go across like the shallow part of it and the lure kind of disappears and we're like oh it's still following it out into like the deeper water i mean the lure is maybe i don't know somewhere between 12 and 14 ish feet down and this fish came up for it, but then it started to back away. And and I, uh, controlling the tiller, I kind of reached over and just gave the rod jolts. And Max was watching the live scope screen. He's like, oh, he liked that. And uh, I tried to give it some more jolts, but I was trying to drive the boat at the same time. And and he was kind of like firing up when I jolted and he'd back away. And, and the lure might not have been moving enough. And then Clayton finally just like got up from the seat and he's like, all right, I'm going to get the rod out because it was following the bait that he picked out and he got the rod out and he gave it kind of like a sweep or like a jolt and max is like oh it really liked that and then he gave it one big like big old rip <laughs> and uh you could see from my head cam he goes oh god him like it just hit when he had the rod in his hand after giving it just like a huge rip and out of instinct even though we're going like close to three miles an hour he just gave that thing a big old set and you can hear the drag slip because it's a trolling rod <laughs> with loose drag but we got him yeah that was we got him in the bag. that was cool that was we were just talking about too that day i was like i've never seen a muskie eat on live scope trolling before um and i was seriously getting ready to freaking throw that thing in the lake because like all it did is just show us all these fish we can't catch and like even that day trolling you know, you'd see him shoot off the bottom, follow it. We would twitch it. It would either, you know, hang back, like it would kind of sunk back. Or, you know, sometimes if you twitch it, it would fire up a little bit and like knows the back of it. And we're just like, what do we have to do to like get these freaking fish to eat? This is insane. And uh, and then Clayton kind of just took matters into his own hands and got that one, you know, triggered enough to eat. And watching that thing, like, you know, when Gus is doing the little twitches, it would like kind of fire up and like it would get a little bit closer to the bait and kind of fire up. And then when Clayton did his first like big rip, it like shot like super fast right at the bait. <laughs> and then when he did it again, like I saw the fish like go from, you know, zero to 60, just like freaking smash it. And it's right as I saw him shoot at the bait, like Clayton sets the hook. I'm like, OK, that was all right. That was pretty cool to watch. <laughs> All right, that live scope. You just earned yourself another few weeks before you go on Facebook Marketplace. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for showing us more. But how, how you gonna fish. catch your crappie in the winter? That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, we got our God. one honey hole, and maybe two. We got two <laughs> honey holes. Yeah, that's that season's coming closer than I'd like to admit. Um, but that might be it for me after this weekend. We'll see. There's a few things in the works here for next weekend, uh, potential, but uh if it is the close of the 2023 musky season, you know, I'm sure we'll maybe uh, go around and do a little highlight uh, for each three of us um, on next week's pod to officially close up. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good weekend. Um, you know, 
glad to at least get one more fish in the boat before it's all said and done up there for me. Uh, I'll say this, my, my Northern Wisconsin season has officially come to a close. Um, mm-hmm. So good to see at least one more hit the net um, for the end of the year. I know Gus, you'll be getting out there hopefully a few more times. The weather look, looks favorable here after this cold snap. Um, so I'll be pulling for you uh, to maybe cap off the season with a boom, but uh, yeah, you know, it was a fun time getting out there, braving the elements, doing that whole thing. So I think, uh, I think that probably wraps it for us tonight here. Uh, Gus, you want to drop your normal stuff and we'll call it, call it a pod. Sure. Yeah. Um, Or give out that definitely want to thank again to Brian Scaife, angling anarchy coming on the pod tonight. We had a great time talking with him uh he's got those hoodies sounds like he doesn't have too many left uh before he makes another order so if you want one before christmas definitely grab one from him uh muskies on tap hoodies themselves uh there's also still not too many uh left if you want to grab one for uh somebody else in your family that fishes musky fishes maybe you just want to pick one up yourself treat yourself uh, you can go over to my guide page uh, website, which is www.sugsfishing.com, S-U-G-S fishing. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Suggs Fishing, our muskies on tap uh, Instagram page as well. And add me as a friend on Facebook or look at my guide page on Facebook, which is Suggs Fishing Guide Service. And by the time that this podcast drops, I might not have an official post on Facebook or Instagram, but uh, I do have my schedule open, books open for the 2024 season. So if you want to get out and uh, book a day with me out in northern Wisconsin, Vilas Oneida County area, uh, be sure to do so. I know I've gotten actually a few messages from my website and just random messages from people it's like hey where what lakes do you guide on it's like uh well everywhere uh the whole the whole two counties and the uh surrounding area so if you want to get out and learn new tricks uh learn how to just catch your first i don't know anything i'm open to uh hopefully teaching as much as i know to you and having a good time on the water so looking forward to that uh, looking forward to seeing how this close to the 2023 season comes. And yeah, I think that's all I got. So uh, without further ado, Brian, you want to take us away on this outro? All right, everybody. The hours are winding down. The days are getting shorter. The season is just about over. I know a lot of you guys have already winterized the boat, so it's a perfect time for you to go sit down and binge watch some angling anarchy videos this time of year. Even if you're in your deer stand, I don't even know if the season's still open for that. You can turn it on, put your AirPods in. Maybe Okay, don't do that in the deer stand. You can do that at home, though, in the warmth (laughs) of your house. Go enjoy, though. Shout out, Brian, again. Appreciate it for coming on tonight. Everybody have a good one. Peace. Peace. Peace.